0: So we are uh, in a sermon series that we are titling and Uh, there is a difference, a significant difference between the conjunction and and the conjunction or and the case we have been making is that in scripture we must not read the and sentences as if they're or sentences and we must not read the or sentences as if they're they're and sentences. So uh, we've been looking at the, the ands, and a, a few of them we've looked at so far. The first was grace and truth. Uh, God is gracious and he is truthful. Jesus came from the Father full of grace and full of truth. And so what that means is that God does not have to suspend his grace to be truthful with us, and he doesn't have to to suspend his truth, to be graceful towards us. He is 100% truth. He is 100% grace all the time. Then last week, we looked at justice and mercy, and we said the exact same thing, that God is completely just always. There is never a time when God is not just. That is an attribute of who God is. And there is never a time when God is not merciful. He is always merciful. He is always just. And in our minds, we see that there's some, some conflict there, but there is no conflict in God when it comes to, to these attributes. Uh, God demonstrated his justice. He did not leave sin unpunished. He wasn't lenient and just said, oh, let's not worry about it. No, he, he paid the, the punishment on the cross. He was just. But he was merciful Instead of having us take the punishment of our own sin, he put it upon his son. He was both just and merciful. So this morning we are going to move to our our next and. Uh, If the only book that we had in the New Testament was uh, the epistle of James towards the end of the New Testament, if that's all that we had, and we're trying to answer this question, how Can I be saved? We're going to continue to talk about salvation. We've laid out that salvation is is accomplished for us based on what Christ has done for us. But now we're asking the question: well, how can I access that? How can I be saved? And if all we had was the book of James to answer that question, we might be inclined to say, well, I am going to be saved, I'm going to be justified, I'm going to be made righteous based on my works based on what I do, based on how well I keep God's commands. That's what's going to get me salvation. If all we had was Paul's letter to the Romans and and to the Ephesians, we would say, no, we're going to be saved based on faith. And faith alone, it has nothing to do with works. So Paul and James seem to be saying contrary things. James is saying, we're not saved by faith alone, we're saved by, by works, and, and Paul is saying, no, we're not saved by works, we're saved by faith. Is this a and, or is this an or? So given that uh, we believe that these books of the Bible are, are all equally inspired, Paul's not more inspired than James, James is not more inspired than Paul, I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's not or, it's not James or Paul. It's not works or faith, but it's James and Paul, and it's works and faith. So join me as we pray for the reading of God's word. Father God, we believe your word to to be inspired, and now we pray that you would inspire my speaking. We pray that you would inspire our hearing, inspire our understanding. Lord, we ask that our right understanding would lead to to right living. May the words of my mouth, the meditations of our heart be pleasing and acceptable to you. We pray this in the power of your great name. Amen. So uh, James and Paul, we're going to start kind of backwards. We're going to work our way, we're gonna start with James and we're gonna work our way back uh, to Paul. So the the relationship between James and Paul, the relationship between faith and works has vexed people for, for centuries. This is not a, a new conundrum. People have been wrestling this, with this for a long time. And I want to say there is a path forward. And the path forward in these two positions that seem to be conflicting is to recognize. What question they're each answering. Paul and James are answering different questions. They're dealing with different problems. And so they're coming at different problems and they're offering an answer. And when we look at it today, what I think we're going to discover is they're actually saying the exact same thing. So we're going to start with James. We're going to start James chapter 2, verse 14. James asks this question, poses this rhetorical question. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds, has no works, what good is it? Can such faith save them? So he's throwing the question out there. Can this this faith that somebody claims to have, but there's no demonstration of that faith, can this faith save them? He continues, suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well. Keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about his physical needs. What good is it? In the same way, faith by itself is dead if it's not accompanied by action. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds, Show me your faith without deeds, and I'll show you my faith by what I do. You believe that there's one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish man, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. So it's that last sentence that really seems to put James at odds with Paul. You see that a person is justified by what they do and not by faith alone. So as I said, the path forward in reconciling James and Paul is recognizing that they're each addressing a different problem. We have 2,000 years of wrestling with the the scriptures, 2,000 years of scholarship, we need to remember that the people who are receiving these words, uh, the, for the, the original audience, they don't have any of that. And so people are hearing things, and they're quickly going off on, on uh, paths that, that were never meant to, to be taken. And so these things are being written to correct misunderstanding. James is writing to a, a segment of the church who has a misunderstanding of what it means to be a Christian. Uh, Their assumption is that all I have to do to be saved, to be justified, to be declared righteous, all I have to do is believe, or even just say that I believe, declare belief. Well, believe what? What was it that they, they had to believe? Well, it's everything that we say you have to believe, you know, the... The uh, Apostles' Creed lays out a really good uh, structure of what it is we have to believe, that, that God the Father created everything and that he sent his son Jesus, born of a virgin, who suffered and who died uh, under Pontius Pilate. He was crucified on our behalf and he, he rose again and he ascended to the Father and through faith in him we are saved. This is what you have to believe and all I have to do is, is believe this. All I have to do is sign on the dotted line... Raise my hand when a preacher says, You know, who wants to believe this? Come forward to an altar call. All I have to do is do that, and I get my get out of jail free card. And I get out of my get out of jail free card, and I am good to go because I signed on the dotted line. And so, what James is addressing is this group of people who have. Have been misguided believing this. It's what today we would call easy believism. Easy believism. Just say the prayer, just raise your hand, just come forward at the altar call, just say that you believe, and then you are good to go, and it doesn't matter what you do. So James is attacking this misguided theology. He begins in chapter one, and he uses this beautiful analogy. He said, what good is it if you have the truth, but you don't listen to it? He uses the analogy of a mirror. Like, what good is it if you look at the mirror and you see you've got food on your face? But instead of cleaning the food off your face, you walk away with the food still on your face. The mirror, the truth, has done you no good. So James then ends chapter 1 by saying this, if anyone considers himself religious, it's just like James chapter 2, if anyone claims to have faith, if anyone considers themselves religious, you can substitute the word faith for for religious, but doesn't keep a tight rein on their tongue like their, their religion, their faith, has no correlation with the words that they say or the words that they don't say, then their religion, he says, is worthless. Religion, he goes on, and faith that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. What James is is saying is that age-old point that you can't have your cake and eat it too. You can't say that you believe something claim to have faith, claim to have religion, and have absolutely no visible demonstration of that declaration. James is not attacking faith. He's not attacking faith. He's not hostile to this idea of faith. Actually, he's making the strongest possible case for faith by attacking counterfeit faith. James is attacking counterfeit faith, The Apostle Paul made this forceful declaration that we are justified by faith, not by works, by faith alone. And so many people heard what Paul said, and they got on the Pauline pendulum, and they did what we do as people, and they rode that pendulum way farther than Paul ever intended it to go. They rode that pendulum all the way to thinking that all that matters is what we say we believe. As long as we're saying the right things, as long as we're signing on the dotted line, we can just go out and do whatever we want. It has no bearing on our relationship with God. And so James is attacking that idea. It's a a foolish thought. It's easily dismantled. So here's a a couple examples. Two people claim to be environmentalists. One litters everywhere he goes. One picks up litter everywhere she goes. This is not difficult. Who's the environmentalist? The one who picks up litter everywhere she goes. Who's, who's not the environmentalist? The one who litters everywhere he goes. One person claims to love their neighbor, but anytime their neighbor has a real need, hungry, in need of, of clothing, does nothing to help their neighbor. Another person claims to love their neighbor, and when their neighbor has a real need, rises to the challenge and helps their neighbor. Who loves their neighbor? Again, this is simple. It's it's obvious. One person claims to have faith, but is completely uninfluenced by that faith. That faith has done nothing to alter the direction of their life. Another person claims to have faith, And there's all kinds of visible demonstrations of that faith. Who really has faith? Faith, without deeds, James writes, it's useless. It's really not faith. It's a a counterfeit. Someone once said it this way, we are saved by faith alone. And faith that saves is never alone. We're saved by faith alone, and faith that saves is never alone. So James is writing to this group in the church because he doesn't want them on that great day to hear these words, away from me, for I never knew you. He doesn't want them to be deceived. He wants them to understand that that what they think they've done, they really haven't done. This is not true faith. So James is addressing the problem of easy believism. Paul is addressing a different problem. He's speaking to a different audience. Paul is addressing the problem of legalism. Of legalism. For centuries, the the Jewish faith had just slowly crept more and more into this legalistic understanding that their relationship with God was entirely based on their observance of the law on their keeping of the commandments. And in order to be in right relationship with God, they had to be meticulous. They had to be scrupulous in their observance of the law. And so along comes Jesus and says things like this, Come to me, all you who are weary. Legalism is exhausting. Thinking that my relationship with God is dependent on me, it's absolutely exhausting. And Jesus said... Come to me, you who are exhausted. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and I'm I'm humble in heart. Like Jesus knew this, this thing that you've been trying to do, trying to prove yourself, trying to earn your way forward, it is exhausting and it sucks the joy out of our relationship with God. And so people heard Jesus' message and they came. Gentiles came. Jews came. And it was wonderful. But then Satan attacked. sent Satan infiltrated this community. Paul would come into a community. He'd plant a church, share the gospel. People would get saved. This newfound joy that, that our relationship with God is dependent not on us having to earn it, but on what Christ has done for us. There's this joy. And then a, as Paul leaves, in come these missionaries, these missionaries. And they're saying, this is wonderful, you know, that, that you all have have." Found the Messiah and you've put your trust in the Messiah, that's great. But we just want to remind you that you've got to still keep all of these commandments and all of these laws meticulously, scrupulously, and get back on the treadmill. That's what legalism is: it's this marathon in which there is no finish line. Like get back into the marathon, start running, you'll never cross the finish line, and it sucked all the joy and the life right out of the church. And so this is what Paul is addressing, legalism. And so in Romans chapter 3, he tackles this head on. We're going to pick it up at verse 20. Nobody will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. But now a righteousness from God apart from the law has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There's no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. He did this to demonstrate his justice because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his justice at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Where then is boasting? It's excluded. On what principle? On that of observing the law? No, on that of faith. For we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from observing the law. Is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles too? Yes, of Gentiles too, since there's only one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through that same faith. And now here's the the significant sentence. Do we then nullify the law by this faith? Not at all. Rather, we uphold the law. Remember how I said James is not attacking faith? Paul's not attacking works. He's not saying stop working. We don't nullify the law. No, we uphold the law. Paul and James are worried about the same thing. They're worried about authentic, genuine faith. They're worried about a faith that works we don't nullify the law we don't nullify works because of our faith we uphold the law because of our faith we work so to the group of people who are slavishly trying to earn their salvation paul reminds them you are saved by faith alone you don't have to earn this and to those people who are so self-assured of their salvation because they signed on the dotted line and there's, there's no visible demonstration, James is writing, faith without works is dead. It's useless. So Paul's concerned with the declaration of faith. James is concerned with the demonstration of, of faith. And they're both after the same thing. Faith that works.